Today's podcast is presented by Podgo. Podgo is the easiest way for you to monetize your podcast, providing podcasters with a flat rate for ad space so you always know how much you get when you include an ad from Podgo. We recently just joined as members, and you can too. Apply today to become a member and immediately be connected with advertisers that fit your audience. That's podgo.co at P-O-D-G-O dot C-O. Welcome to episode 38 of the Spivey Special Podcast. Do we have a 38? I think we have Kwame Brown. I think that's what we decided. Yeah, we look at the list and it wasn't very good. So we might just, just, hey, it's number 38. We need a good 38 in this world. I think that's what's going wrong. I think that we should train our children and both make them wear 38. Yeah, I don't know. You can wear one in sumo wrestling, though. I'll just put the number on my little sumo wrestle diaper. Yeah, well, I hope you're the coach. That's all I want. I'm the sumo wrestle coach? Yeah. Am I like Mr. Miyagi, but for sumo wrestling? You just look like a guy who's probably good at making rice. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm the trainer. I'm the dietitian? Yeah. Okay. You're like the model. Mm -hmm. How do we get this guy to fit in this giant diaper? Yeah. Let's get Zach on board. Yeah, you can change diapers, and you probably look like they do in diapers, so it's like a come-up. I don't know if Kirkland makes them that big, though. (laughs) (laughs) You have to up your membership to, like, platinum. All right, Trey, I heard you went to a tea party today. It was... Tell me about that. Was a three-year-old... Not in Boston, though. No, I did not. You wish, right? No. Um, Three-year-old birthday party, wild. It was on. Um, everyone was in dresses and doing makeup and then our son and one other son was there and they got to play with swords and dinosaurs, which was cool. Um, we had cucumber sandwiches and fruit. Um, you got your choice between uh, lemonade and apple juice. So it was pretty raging. I'm a little tired from it today, but it was fun. Did they get the cops called them at this one? Yeah, I called them. <laughs> they won't end the party. It's ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, cucumber salad. It reminds me I'm on Whole30. Cucumber sandwich. Sandwich. So it's just cucumbers on either side of what? I think it was cucumbers. More cucumbers? Cucumber in the middle of cream cheese and bread. Oh, cream cheese. Now I'm on board. I think it was cream cheese. I'd kill for cream cheese right now. I'm on like day 17? What? I don't know what day it is. October? It feels like October, yeah. On Whole30. I had ice cream that was sweetened with dates today and that was like the highlight of my week eating food so man you're day 31 you're gonna have to put some weight back on we're not gonna recognize i think you. we're only gonna make it 27 because we have bachelor parties on day 27 so Ooh, spooky. spooky where are you guys going we are golfing in the morning and then we're going to k1 indoor kart racing nice then we're doing axe throwing and then we're going to morton's wow that's a, a full day that is a day it's nice you don't have to travel, which I don't. You can't really do much of right now, anyways. Yeah, and I'm not driving the whole day, so. No. Why awesome. would you? Except the go karts, I guess. Yeah. And you, probably a golf cart. Yeah, what kind of sucks though is you can't really drink during golf now if you're gonna go be doing that afterwards. Why not? Well, I don't know the <laughs> rules, but I don't know how good your fake go kart insurance is. 
would not be, yeah, well, no comment. Okay. You know, we have another person sitting at the table with us. We, it'd probably be a good idea to introduce him. This is kind of getting weird. He's just staring at us. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh, let's take a break, and we will introduce our guest. The Spivey brothers are always here, but who is joining them today? Who is it? Who is it? Sit back and let's find out together with Get to Know Your Guest. All right, Troy, would you like to introduce our guest? I would love to. He is the man, the myth, and the legend. And then also Victor Rodriguez is here. Welcome. (laughs) What's up, guys? It is an honor to be here, and I'm super excited. Victor and I have known each other, gosh, 13 years, 14 years, something like that. Doing the math, I think it's 13, 14. Yeah, that's a good guess. It's been a while. Let's just put it that way. He's about to join the club of being a dad to a boy. Oh, Boy dad, yes. Very excited. Coming in October. Um, I don't think my wife was excited as I was, but I am thrilled. Just get as many cat naps and long sleep-ins and whatever you can in now. That's kind of what everyone's been telling me is to get my sleep in now. Yeah, if you look around the table right now, a lot of bags under the eyes. I've only had like four cups of coffee today, so I'm doing pretty good. My problem is that I don't do coffee, so I need to either figure that out or do something because I can't be drinking energy drinks all the time. Why not? <laughs> no, no you will you. be. You can. <laughs> a lot of things are bad for you. They said smiling was at one point. Who said that? I don't, it was on the internet. <laughs> all right. Well, our favorite scuba da boop bop bop. All right, we're going to jump in. We got five not as normal questions as we gave to the character combine duo last week. But, Victor, we got five questions for you for get to know your guests. Now, we're going to ask you. It's not going to be spitfire like it has been in the past if you didn't listen last week. But we're going to ask you five questions. Okay. You're going to answer them. Take your time and just explain your answers to the listeners. All right, Victor. Number one, you're a professional athlete, okay? What sport are you playing and what position? All right. So can I ask a follow-up? No. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. My yeah. follow-up would be, we'll is this supposed it. to be realistic or is this like what I would love to do the no, most? No, you can do anything you want. Okay. Well, you're not going to be a professional athlete. So. That's, that's, that's very true, actually. You're, you're correct. There's nothing really realistic about the question now that I think about it. I would go baseball player. Um, I was left-handed. And I was breathing and I used to pitch. So I feel like that would be the thing that would be a lane that I could go through. I am not 6'5 and athletic. So I think basketball is out of the question. I wouldn't play football because I wouldn't want to get hit like that. And hockey just seems way too hard. Um, so I think baseball would be my best bet. I think pitching as a lefty would kind of be where it'd go. Are we starting? Are we coming out of the are you a specialist? Are you a closer? Great question. Um, I have lefty specialists written all over me. Um, don't expect me to get 15 to 18 outs consistently, but I can get in there and, and get some junk going and get a lefty out maybe. Zach, just real quick, what would you do? I would be a professional curler. And I would be the uh, sweeper or the guy that no, yells. the initial the initial pusher guy. Yeah, I could see that. And oh, then I, I thought we were going main, major sports. I think if we're going like off brand bowling would be my best shot of being a pro. No, I'm just saying curling. I think would be the most fun because it looks like those guys just get drunk and they run out on the ice. I'd be an NBA center. Like the guys that won the gold <laughs> medal, like had just started doing it a couple of years ago. It looked like the three of us just went out there and yeah. started playing curling. 
So we got a professional curler, we got a lefty <laughs> specialist, and we got an NBA center. That's pretty good. That's what you picked. Yeah. Okay. So I'm, I'm not gonna. I'm. I mean, I'm gonna get my three point shooting down, but I'm just gonna be a guy who gets rebounds. You know, clogs up the paint. I've played enough basketball with Troy to know that is definitely his mo in a game is just get down low. He may not have the size, but you can't question the heart. Just give me an extra foot and I'll be fine. All right, we're going to go to question number two. If you could have any superpower, what would it be and what would your name be? This is a really, really tough one for me. Um, I try to take it from like a what am I good at in real life kind of standpoint. And I think the things that I'm a lead at are like texting and communication. So I would have to be some sort of like incredibly smart super powerful person that's really hard for me to answer um but i'm really trying to think through this right now um obviously my name would be victastic or something along those lines just because it's kind of my name and like tastic or victextic Ooh, mm. that's really good victextic that might work what if you're like professor x but you can only use your powers for sending texts telepathically that's actually incredible i wish i had thought of that so are we going professor v yeah you're professor v Okay. I'm actually in on that. I mean, because that seems like the most realistic thing based on the fact that we're talking superpowers. And I don't know why I'm taking everything realistically, but I think that's the best one. You must not listen to the show that often. Because <laughs> I mean, I know you both, so I should know that. But yeah, I, I think that's great. Professor V, that's where we're going. I think I would probably be the specimen and I would be invisible. That's what I would go with, Zach. Um, I think I would be, I think I would pick flying. That's the most realistic, I think. Yeah. <laughs> but not like a bird or like Superman, more like a blimp probably. If we're going to be, we're playing the realistic game. If I'm flying, it's more like the Goodyear blimp. Let's just say I do not want to be the guy trying to hold you at the Macy Day Parade. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. All right. We're going to go to question three. Favorite all-time dessert, Vic? I get a lot of heat in the uh, with my in-laws for not being the biggest dessert person. I don't really do like cake or pie very often. Um, I'm more of a plain like ice cream kind of guy in general. But I will say my favorite dessert of all time is actually in Roseville at Tahoe Joe's. My old roommate Brian worked there, so I'd go there all the time. And they have a seasonal apple pie that is literally to die for. Like uh, every time I found it, it was in season, I would go probably once a week. It's it's really good. I highly recommend it. What is the season so that I can go and get this? <laughs> That's the best part. I don't even know to this day. He would just come home every time from work and be like, hey, it's in. And I would just be running to the door. But I want to say it's like a fall, wintery type seasonal thing. I don't know how many apples are coming out in the winter. I don't know how that works. I'm not going to be able to do the podcast. I'm just going to be thinking about seasons and apple pie, I think. I also very well could have been wrong, and it could be like a summer <laughs> thing. I, I honestly don't know. Who knows? It was actually a McDonald's apple pie. At this point, it's just a memory that I always think about because there's no Tahoe Joe's by our house. All right. What is the best sporting event that you've been to? One particular game. Okay. I've been to a lot of sporting events. I think that there's really no comparison to game seven against... Um, of the Vegas Golden Knights and the San Jose Sharks. I actually went with a former podcast guest of yours, Kevin Lindner. Um, technically, he came with me. They're my season tickets, but that's a flex for me. Um, but we had a great time. The game was awesome. Ten minutes left, down 3 nothing. Our captain, Joe Pavelski, uh, gets hurt, and I'm like, oh, the season's over. This is brutal. We always lose the big game. 
five minute power play. The Sharks score four goals, and I've never honestly felt the electricity that I felt in that stretch. Like, I'm jumping, we're hugging the people around us. I'm pretty sure I heard Kevin swear, which was like the first thing I've ever time I've ever heard that. Uh, it was out of excitement. It was awesome. Um, just the best. That was the best single game I've ever been to. You guys know my sports history. My teams don't really win that often. So not even winning a championship, being at that game, that was that was top of the mountain for me. I remember that game. That was wild. You know, it's just like, oh, my gosh. Again, Sharks. See ya. And then five minute. You're like, that just changed. Everything. That's the shot in the arm that we needed sometimes, you got to say. Yeah, the way they rallied behind Pavelski getting hurt was incredible. And I've rewatched it like four or five times now on television. And every time I still get chills. And I just remind myself, like, you were in the building that night. So that's, I don't even think there's a close second for me at this point for best sporting event I've been to live. All right, last question. If you could be the owner of one company, which would it be? Great question. There's a lot of companies I would love to own. Um, but I think. I would want to own a professional sports team. Does that count as a company? I think just owning Absolutely. owning a piece of a baseball team, maybe not right now in the season they're in, but uh, a baseball team or a basketball team, just owning a team and, and knowing that that's my team and how passionate I'm about sports, I think that would be my dream um, company to own. How about you guys? I would definitely own the Cubs or whatever team played the Dodgers in the playoffs so I knew that we would win. <laughs> Zach? I think I would own uh, Wendy's, and I could get Frosty's whenever I want. You can just come down and get it in time. <laughs> <laughs> but they're like, ship them to my house. Maybe I can get the machine in my house. Nice. Just have a restaurant in your garage. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking. I think I'd be friends with whoever runs that Twitter account, because that's one of my favorites. They're very good mm -hmm. at what they do. Mm -hmm. They will blow you up in a heartbeat. All right. I think that's all we got. I'm excited for the show. We got a lot of fun things to talk about today. So we're going to take a quick break and come back with Food Court Files. All right. It's time for the Food Court Files. All right. This week for Food Court Files, uh, we're going to be covering a couple of topics this time. Um, we have a, a subject matter expert here to help settle a debate that society is having right now. Um, Nothing really serious, like all the crazy stuff going on, but it's still just as heated on Twitter, I think, as anything else. We're going to be talking about the uh, old Popeyes versus Chick-fil-A debate, and uh, we have two sides here. We've got Troy with the Chick-fil-A side, and we have Vic with the Popeye side. Maybe both. We'll see. We're going to start with Vic. Tell me about this Popeye sandwich. I haven't had a chance to try it. Okay, you yeah. wanted to talk about it on the pod. Yeah, I'm stuck on my stupid diet and I wanted to try it. But If I'm being honest, the Popeye's chicken sandwich has been kind of a passion project for me since it came out. Um, I've made it a, a point to just tell everyone I know how incredible it is. And uh, I've started heated debates within friends, within coworkers. Um, Chick-fil-A has a huge passionate following and, and it's a good sandwich. Um, I am just of the belief that the Popeye's chicken sandwich is completely better in every single way and and here's why i will say this and and we're taking service out of the equation because a lot of the arguments i've had have said that the chick-fil-a service is better than the popeye service and that's fine but we're talking taste and taste only here so what i like to say is that the chick-fil-a sandwich is like the tyreek evans coming out of the draft for a sports analysis where you knew what you were going to get 
It's very consistent. It's very repeatable. The Popeye's going to be rookie of the year. It's going to be rookie of the year. That's fine. But the Popeye's chicken sandwich is your Steph Curry. Mm. Huge ceiling, but also people were worried about that floor, right? But it's so elite that it gets past all of those other things that you're worried about. And you should take the high-end, high-value Steph Curry pick there like the Warriors did. So the Popeye's chicken sandwich separates itself in the juiciness of the bun or of the bun because it has it's a brioche bun i think that's the word brioche um and it's already pre-buttered so it just adds this sweetness to the bun that you just don't get with a chick-fil-a sandwich um and then the chicken itself is just if you put them side by side it's juicier it's bigger and it, it honestly like i would choose a popeye sandwich every single time with that said though chick-fil-a sandwich is fine but i don't think it's necessarily even close See, I think the thing about the Chick-fil-A sandwich is you know you're going to come in there and you're going to get the consistency. You know what you're going to get every time you roll into Chick-fil-A. They have really good sauce choices that you can add to your chicken sandwich. And I think that that's the kind of the most important thing because when you have just a, you know, a consistent average sandwich, like you said the Chick-fil-A sandwich is, when you can mix it up with the different sauces and just bam, emerald, kick it up a notch, I think that that's very important. And like you said, um, Chick-fil-A service is a lot better. It's, I don't even think that's close. That's not a question, no. And I would never even argue that for a second. I have had some really rough experiences with Popeye service, but Chick-fil-A is always top-notch. I will also give them the edge in their Chick-fil-A sauce. The Chick-fil-A sauce is my favorite. Put it on the fries, the sandwich, whatever. Um, I'm just very adamant that if you actually care about just the way the chicken tastes and the way the bun tastes and the overall experience of having the chicken sandwich... I think the Popeyes wins every single time. There are very, very loyal Chick-fil-A sandwich people who won't even discuss it. But at the end of the day, it is hotly contested. Go on Instagram, Twitter, wherever, search it. It's uh, it's very, very contested. Um, I just think that it's definitely Popeyes. I think I'm kind of jaded because I've been to the South where they have chicken restaurants everywhere. And they have like Zaxby's and Cane's and whole bunch of other ones that are just really, really, really good. We just don't have that here. So I have a coworker from South Carolina who swears that I would love Zaxby's because fast food chicken sandwiches are my go-to. Like whether it's, I'll even have Wendy's. There's a place in the Bay area. I don't know if they have it out here called Jolly Bee that also makes a really good chicken sandwich. Um, that's kind of my Mount Rushmore of like fast food. If you're in a rush, you can get a McDonald's or a Burger King chicken sandwich. Those are not going to be as appealing. I think that the two that have separated themselves in the fast food, in California at least, for chicken sandwiches, Popeye's and Chick-fil-A every single time. Carl's Jr. has a decent one. I mean, it's not great, but for fast food, they throw together a decent product. I think that they're the better. The barbecue chicken? Yeah, I think that that's better than the McDonald's one. I think the problem there is that the Western bacon burger at Carl's Jr. is so good that I would never consider even trying a chicken sandwich there. So I can't even say that I've tried that. Well, I just looked up the menu for this topic. I've never, I always get the Western bacon too with Chris cut fries. Oh, <laughs> Western bacon is, is very, very good. That's not a chicken sandwich though. Yeah. I'm always getting burgers. I don't know. I never get chicken. So. <laughs> yeah. This is kind of awkward for us to talk about. But. All right. Let's move on to our next topic. Uh, I'm pretty excited about this one. Uh, I don't know that we've even really talked about this on the podcast yet. Well, I think we've maybe like the first episode touched maybe here and there. Yeah. So we're going to talk about going to a catered event. Let's say a wedding or a graduation party or a retirement party or mitzvah or quinceanera. 
I got nothing else. <laughs> Aaron, you win the game. All right. So uh, first things first. You you just got there. Ceremony's over. We're gonna wait for picture hour or whatever. What are we hoping is there for appetizers? What are your favorites? That's a we'll great question. Um, I went to a wedding recently that had gyoza potstickers, and I don't think I'd actually been to an event that had one before um, or had those before, and it made me so happy. So I would say that is my all-time favorite appetizer I've ever had. I also love um, bruschetta. Is that the word? Bruschetta? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love bruschetta, and then anything with like egg rolls. Those are always great appetizers for me. Now, I've been a lot of these events, probably like 20, 30 weddings in my adult career and i've had a lot of really good appetizers um i've been to one where they had deep fried macaroni and cheese balls that came on a stick that was amazing um the quesadilla and they come around and you can just have a little plate with quesadilla and salsas um meat skewers just like beef on a stick chicken on a stick um and they come around like the teriyaki sauce for you to like dip it in it gets kind of wild. Um, anything with bacon wrapped around something, um, cheese and crackers are easy. And I went to one where they came with sliders to start the game, and that was a game changer. Sliders are awesome. Sliders is good. Yeah, I'm looking for anything bacon wrapped, shrimp, more bacon, whatever it is. That's kind of my go-to for that. Um, I think you touched on all the other ones. Now, we had one at the... Uh, Wedding that we went to at uh, Apple Hill. Apple Hill. <laughs> we won't we won't go any further into that. Um, we had little mini tacos. Those were so good. I don't know what they are, or where they came from, or how they got into our life, but I didn't want that experience to end. I could have eaten like forty eight thousand of those. I think you ate forty seven, so you almost got there. Maybe that's why I can't find them anymore because I ate them all while we were there. I also. This is not what you were talking about at all, but lobster dip. You guys ever have like a lobster dip? That stuff's incredible. I've been to a couple of weddings that have had that. There's a lot of really good apps. I actually went to a wedding and it was like half baseball themed. And I think they had like corn dogs or like kettle corn or something. And I was like, this is my new favorite wedding. This is pretty rad. It just really depends. We went to a breakfast wedding and they didn't have any appetizers, but... We'll get to that later, but the food itself was so good. Was it like a fish hatchery? <laughs> it was a, a different kind of wedding, but it was so much fun. I need to hear this story. Okay, so we're getting to our main course. Are we hoping for buffet or plate served, Vic? It's a great question. Um, or does it depend on the menu for both? I think it depends on the menu. Uh, the main thing I always want at a wedding is tri-tip. Um, I think tri-tip is just so good that it's always going to make me happy wherever it is. So I generally hope for tri-tip. If not, I kind of like a pasta. So whether that's like a fettuccine or something like that, um, those are kind of my go-to main entree kind of things. Um, but yeah, if, if the buffet is going to have three or four great options, I'm always down for that. My problem is, is like, I don't know if I want chicken in four months, you know? I don't know how I'm going to feel on that day. I like to, you know, show up at the game. I don't know if I'm going to drop 30 or 40 in the first quarter or not. I got to have options, you know what I mean? So I like the buffet. I like to be able to go up there, you know, diagram the plate the way I want and then just make sure I execute that plan to perfection. 
See, I want plated when I go to the wedding. I want to know what I'm getting into ahead of time. I want to know what I'm looking forward to. I got to plan out how many appetizers I'm going to eat, how many disguises I need to break so I can keep getting more bruschettas. And I also have to plan accordingly for how much I'm going to drink and all the different things that go along with that. Also, when you get plated, you usually get a higher quality food. So rather than a mass-produced tri-tip or something, which can be good, we get more options. Now we're getting, like, we're going to a wedding that's going to have lobster. You don't get lobster at a buffet. That's the old debate, the quality over quantity. And I think you're onto something there. Knowing in advance what you're going to bite off, so to speak, during the actual meal definitely helps you plan the rest of your day better than kind of a buffet where it's, we're just adapting on the fly and we're seeing what happens. So I think you're onto something there. But you can always find one good thing at a buffet and just plate that up good. What, so what is the, the entree that you're looking for? And you said tri-tip and fettuccine. Yeah, those are, those are my two favorite. Um, I mean, I've been to plenty of weddings that have, have both. Um, but I think my go-to is always just tri-tip. And I know you're not as high on it as I am. I just think it's, it's something that's easy to eat at a dinner while also maintaining the, the ability to dance and get up and you're not feeling too like weighed down. Um, and I mean, unless you have like 17 slices, but if you eat a good portion of it, you can still get up and enjoy the dance floor, have a few beers, you're getting yourself ready or adult beverages. I don't know if you guys talk about beers on here. 17 is too many slices to try tip. <laughs> you lost me there. I didn't hear the last part of what you said. Um, for me, entree wise, I'm steak or chicken. Those are usually going to be with fish at the end of the buffet, but I'm going to make sure I get a couple of those. You can do different things. You know, you got chicken parmesan, barbecue chicken. There's a lot of different things you can do with the chicken. You can even put it on a sandwich at Chick-fil-A. Um, I like I like pasta. You know, you throw a big thing of lasagna at the end of the buffet. I may or may not raise the roof. Um, chicken parmesan, sh- uh, shrimp fettuccine that uh, Victor's mom, who actually does a little bit of catering, she throws together. It, that is top tier meal right there for entree wise zach i'm hoping for a seafood like a salmon or maybe some shrimp or i know you don't like it as much but shrimp's okay i just salmon i I just what i like about it is if they are willing to make salmon for enough people at the wedding you know it's going to be higher quality yeah i'm also a big seafood guy so i have no problem with zach's picks right there those are those are great picks and there's usually good sides that go along with it It just kind of sets the stage for what kind of food all around it's going to be. If that's an option, then we're doing pretty good. Let's jump into the sides, if you guys don't mind. What are your go-to sides? You can talk about all of them, depending what entree you want to pair them with, but what are your sides? I love mashed potatoes. I'm going to go with those every single time if they're there. Um, If a wedding venue or a wedding is going to have mac and cheese, I'll always grab that. Um, Green beans, things like those are just go-tos for me on my sides, for sure. See, if I'm going Italian with my lasagna I'm raising the roof with, I'm going to like a good garlic bread and salad to pair with that. Um, If I'm going with the other stuff, like you said, I like bacon mashed potatoes. You know, I got to fully load them if I'm going to put them on my plate. Actually, a salad's not terrible with um, some croutons. You got to have croutons and unhealthy dressing. If it's healthy, I send it back. Uh, Mac and cheese, yeah. I like a good rice to pair with my chicken steak or tri-tip at the end of the meal too. So if you got a good like rice pilaf you can even mix in some carrots or other vegetables with my rice i'm okay with it yeah i think you guys covered most of them i want a garlic garlic mashed potatoes if we're gonna get them um not just your regular ones i want some sort of 
differentiator between them. And I want uh, not necessarily garlic bread, but like a dinner roll with like a big old thing of butter that I can put on there where it's just like a big old glob and one of those weird flat little butter spreader things. See those that's I hate those butter squares because like you gotta go get one, put it in your pocket, dance a couple songs, and then come back to the table just so it's melty enough to put on the See, roll. I don't want the butter square. I want like a big old bowl of it like Danny Noonan has in Caddyshack. And okay. I want to choose how much butter I get and it be spreadable. That is a dangerous game you're playing there, muchacho. <laughs> Good rolls are also dangerous because if you eat three or four of those, you're full all of a sudden and you're missing out on a lot of your meal. But they're great for making sandwiches out of the other food that you have. I love a good rice pilaf sandwich. You're right. All right, so we're all full. We danced around a little bit. Now we're going. We, Victor touched a little bit on his favorite dessert, but what mass-produced dessert are we going to have at the end of this party? I think if you're, if you're talking weddings, you're usually going to get some sort of cake, right? It's going to be whether chocolate, vanilla. Um, I think those are just the easiest for a big group of people. So um, most weddings that I've gone to have seen that. I, I know that I've also gone to like donut parties and those uh, are always great. You mean your wedding and my wedding? I mean, yeah. <laughs> selfish plug right there. But yes, I, I know that those are really great and popular. Super easy to make them. Everyone just grabs their own donuts. You're not cutting into things. But um, yeah, those are kind of the go-tos. I, I'm very biased to a, to a donut uh, situation there. I want cheesecake. That's what I'm looking for in any meal if we're going to have dessert. It's usually not a super huge piece, though, because it's made for everybody. And there's usually... If we're at a wedding, there's also wedding cake. Wedding cake's like the least thing that I want to have. It's, we had a candy bar at our wedding, which was nice. We just had like bin, big bins of candy that you can fill. See, it depends. Even with the meal and the entree, we talked about the number of people at the party with what kind of dessert you're going to be able to get. I like a smaller, you know, more intimate thing where maybe I can get a brownie sundae or something like that for dessert. I don't know how they're going to make it. If I got to go in the back, I'll go in the back. I usually wear a vest where I look like one of the servers anyways. They won't know I'm there. So that's what I want. I like something like that. Or if you have, if you want to invite me to a party and like have churros, that's one of, if you've listened to the show, you know that we're big, big churro guys. Big, big is right. Yeah. I didn't, what did the rest of I say? <laughs> All right, we got one more thing that we didn't talk about yet. What is the plan for an open bar? Those are the two best words that you can hear when you get to the wedding. What's your game plan? For me, I, I think it really kind of depends on the environment of the wedding and what my vibe is. Um, if I'm just having a good casual time, want to have a few beers to get loose before the dance floor, I'm an 805 Coors Light, very like standard beer guy. Um, if I'm trying to, well, in my early 20s, I should say, I probably wouldn't do this anymore. But if I'm trying to really rage and party, uh, I used to be a vodka Red Bull guy for sure. Um, I've kind of switched that up now to like a Jameson 7-Up. Um, or if I'm really trying to class it up, then I'm an old-fashioned guy. So it really just depends on like what lane I'm going to kind of in that night, you know? All right. I usually try to pace myself. We'll start with maybe a beer or two. But we kind of the key is to make friends with the bartender that's there. One, so that I can get extra drinks, but I'm not supposed to get extra drinks. Maybe tip the first couple, and then I kind of forget the rest of the night. Um, I like I like whiskey sours, and I like a spicy special if they'll make it. But that's I don't that doesn't happen very often. You got to bring your own Mountain Dew. You got to bring your own Mountain Dew for that. 
Um, it's just really, like Victor said, it depends on the party you're at. You kind of got to get the vibe during the ceremony and everything. Like, if you're going up to and the, the... And your role in the wedding. Oh, yeah. If people don't know you, you might want to kind of go a little bit lowbrow at first just to get the feel. But if you're in the wedding and you're not, like, one of the main parts, just go for it. Why not? You're the guy at the end of the row. <laughs> yeah. Just go for it. You're, you're a groomsman 16. <laughs> Um, I, uh, the one rule about the open bar is you can never be the drunkest. So never be the drunkest one at the party. You can be the second drunkest. Just don't be the drunkest. My game plan is, um, I like to go vodka cranberry early and often. Like Zach said, you tip, you know, 10 to 20 bucks on the first couple drinks, just in case you forget as the night goes on. And usually you don't have change anyway, so you know you can flex a little bit during those first couple of drinks. Um, and then usually I'll switch over to beer. Usually Blue Moon, they have an orange, put it in it. If not, I'll go out to the orchard and pick one and start cutting it at the <laughs> table. I don't care. It's a lot of calories, though, if you're going too many beers. You know, you're 10, 15 beers deep. That's like a week's worth of calories right there. But like I said, just don't be, <laughs> don't be the drunkest one there and just... Don't take advantage too much of the open bar, especially as we're getting older. Early 20s, us three, different story, but early 30s, us is... Yeah, I'm good. I, I'm not waking up with a, a headache in the morning. It definitely hits different in your 30s than it does in your <laughs> early 20s. That's something I've learned. I, well, I don't have the option of sleeping for 12 hours the next day, so... And I'm going to be joining that soon with my child coming, so I, yes. I'm going to feel that soon. You have to keep that in consideration that you're going to get like six hours of sleep, like best case, and not in a row. <laughs> Ugh, I had three beers. I'm going to be hungover <laughs> for two days. <laughs> all right. I think that's all we got. We'll take a quick break. We are going to go heavy on sports jog today. So we're going to take that quick break and we'll be right back. Do you like the sweet taste of Mountain Dew? Do you like your vodka to be both inexpensive and flavored like melons? Then if we got a beverage for you. From the minds of the host of the wildly popular podcast that shares its name, we bring you the Spivey Special. One part Mountain Dew, three to four parts Burnett's Watermelon Vodka. 100% fun. Drink one at your next party or at 3 a.m. playing Halo 3. Please enjoy responsibly. Sports Jug with the Spivey Brothers. Cubs are good. Get the ball to big country. Generic soccer take. All right, that's enough. I'm out of breath. We're talking about sports that are coming back. We have we have a light at the end of the tunnel, at least for some of them. We have some of them back. Soccer, which we don't watch. Um, golf Speak is back yourself. this week, which is super exciting. And I love that there's no fans there, so that when they hit it, where the fans normally would block it, it's just gonna keep going. It'd be in the trees, down hills, in that crazy fescue stuff that isn't matted down from the fans. Those are gonna be good times. I'm looking forward to it. They're still shooting super low though. I think the leaders at like 1300 going into tomorrow. Well, I don't think they're playing a very hard course. They're not gonna play like a US Open style course with no fans. That's I would what I love want. that. I want them to go to <laughs> Beth Page and I want them to have to hit out of the fescue that hasn't been knocked down. With like only one spotter, so it takes like 10 minutes to find the ball, and they have to play it back from the tee and take a penalty stroke on a lost ball. I want that. 
I've been watching golf this weekend and I haven't really noticed that much of a difference. Like obviously you notice people aren't there, but golf is very conducive to not having fans. It's it's almost like the three of us went down and brought an HD camera and recorded around. I mean, they obviously take good shots that we don't take, but it just feels very true. You know, there's not people there spotting everything for them. So yeah. And your announcers aren't anywhere near where the golf is. So a lot of it wouldn't feel too much. And it's really, you don't get the big energy until the final day. So it's, it's the Sunday round where it's just going to feel weird coming down the stretch. All right, big one. We want the news changing all the time. We have NBA playoffs. We're starting to get hard dates. It looks like July 31st will be the first day of games. They moved it up. It's on my birthday, July 30th now, according to Woj. It's going to change like 15 times before that. But I just think it's weird to have the Kings in this conversation. How long has it been since we're like Kings? The playoffs? best part is all of us Kings fans are like, oh, the Kings are, are coming back and they still might not make the playoffs. No, we might get like a w- two weeks out of them. We get an extra eight games, so good for us, right? <laughs> All right, so we have... So in the Western Conference, which is where we have the Kings, we have five teams fighting for the last spot, the eight seed. So we've got the Grizzlies. They're currently there. They're pretty far out in front. They're three and a half ahead of most of the teams. But we have we have some teams that are holding on to hope. Like if we had finished out the season, a couple of them were going to make a run. Yeah, especially because the Grizzlies the were... got hot because Zion came back. Portland finally figured it out because somehow Carmelo was helping them. It doesn't make any sense, but they started, started to play better. Lillard started playing like MVP level. The Kings figured it out. Now, if, any, if anybody got help by the quarantine, it's the Kings, who were like the least healthy team that I know of. And they got them all back. They're all healthy. Now, none of them play together, and they're all young. I don't know what's going to happen, but they're in the hunt. The Spurs are in the hunt, which anytime they're in, they're going to be trouble. Popovich will come up with something weird. And then the Suns are just, they're just there. They are. They're it's, there. You know what, Suns? You come to Orlando. All right, we're in. So of these five teams, does anyone have a shot at beating the Lakers? Because that's who you play. To beat the Lakers? <laughs> yeah. No. Um, the Lakers, I mean. Is this all in vain? It's all in, it's, it's going to be fun. It's going to be exciting. I really hope that we, I mean, I hope that we get that play in. Uh, I hope that one of these teams finishes closer than four games to the Grizzlies. I mean, people forget that the Grizzlies were decimated by injuries at the end. They were just like the Kings. They had a ton of injuries. They were going the wrong way. I thought that they were going to slip, but they also had three months off to get healthy. So I hope that someone gets within four games because I would love to just see if, you know, someone can win two in a row against them. And it'd just be fun to see a play in. It's something we haven't seen, but LeBron and Anthony Davis just mesh so well, and that roster is so deep. It pains me to say it because I don't think there's a team in any sport that I hate more than the Lakers, but I just, I mean, you're basically playing to get four, maybe five extra games of the playoffs, and it's brutal for the owners because if they make it, it's not like they get the revenue from having a sold out, you know, Golden One Center if the Kings do sneak in for those two playoff games. So, yeah, you're right. They're playing to get in and get basically their the brakes beat off of them by by the Lakers. So go ahead and break down for those that don't know and haven't been following on NBA Twitter and all the podcasts that you guys listen to. How is it going to work with this play-in game? Yeah, so everyone who came back was within six games of a playoff spot, which is why the Suns got invited. Um, and how it works is the Grizzlies are currently the eighth seed. They're three and a half games up on the Blazers, the Pelicans, and the Kings. And then they're four games up on the Spurs. Spurs just had LaMarcus Aldridge have surgery last week. So I think they're kind of already thinking about next season. But um, if anyone 
is within four games of the Grizzlies by the time the season ends, which is eight more games, um, they'll have a play-in. Now, if two teams are tied or more teams are tied, they're doing um, win percentage as the tiebreaker to get into that playoff um, because the Blazers have played two games more than everyone else. So their percentage is technically higher right now than us and the, Pel- the Pelicans as well. Um, but yeah, if you get into that play-in game, you have to beat the current eight seed twice in a row to take their spot. So the Grizzlies technically can just get in there, lose the first game, win the second, and they're still in. So if you're the nine seed, you got to beat the eight seed twice in a row to basically take their spot. So it's basically like adults off ball and you got to go and double dip them. It's, it's absolutely a double dip situation. <laughs> <laughs> I love, I just, I just love that it's different. It's new. It's going to be fun. Now let's talk about these eight. So it's, so it's eight game season that they're adding on. So after the eight games, that's when you have to be within the four games to even qualify and it's just the one team that has the best record of the ones within four games that gets those matches. Yeah, it won't be a two or three team mini tournament if multiple Currently, are tied. there's three teams within four games, but it's only one that get that shot. Yeah, so if the Blazers, the Pelicans, and the Kings all go four and four the rest of the way, and the Grizzlies go four and four, and the playoffs start with the standings right now, the Blazers would technically get in because their win percentage is the highest. It's like by 0.01 or something. Now, the other kicker to this is that. You're only playing teams that are invited to the thing, which is just the 22 potential playoff teams. So this is like a murderer's row schedule, last eight games. Let's talk about the Kings schedule. Okay. I want to see how many games of these you think they can win. Because realistically, they need to win like six. six. I would say. At least five. At there's least no five? shot. If they if they go four and four, I don't think there's a shot that they finish it within four games. Because like think. the Pelicans and the Blazers... You'd think that one of them would go over four and four. So okay. that's kind of where I'm at with that. Okay, let's talk about the game. So first game, Pelicans. They actually played the Pelicans twice. So we go Pelicans, Nets, Mavericks, Rockets, Magic, Pelicans again, and they finish with Pacers, Spurs. Now Spurs is your last game. That's like best case scenario because it doesn't sound like they're going to have a I full would, squad. I would say the Spurs is a win. I would say you split the Pelicans. So that's two and one. I think the Nets with no Kyrie and Kevin Durant They're is a winnable out. game. Winnable. I'm not saying they win, but just for, for kicks, let's say that's a win. So they're 3-1. and one. You said Rockets? Mavericks. Okay, Mavericks. That's a loss because Luka Doncic, my favorite but player. Have you seen pictures of Luka? I did, uh, but he just needs to do a little cardio. He'll be fine. He's got a full month and a half to, to get back into a playing shot. A lot of cardio. I, I mean, he does look out of shape for sure. He's, he's not in playing shape, but... The day they announce it, that's going to be over a month for him to just fully go into it. That's longer than an NBA training camp anyway. You remember being that age? I don't even know how old he is. <laughs> I think he's like 20 right now. 20 or 21. He'll figure it out. Yeah. Speaking of that, have you seen what Jokic looks like? He is shredded. He's yoked. Yeah. The NBA is in trouble if he's actually in shape because he's always kind of been a bigger guy. Yeah. Like if he's in good shape, that, that might be different. Now he might not get to play the same way because he's not throwing all the weight around like Barkley used to, but he might be in good shape. He might be last a little bit longer. It would be interesting. The Just thing, thought of that. <laughs> I know we like to sidebar from time to time, but let's get back to what we're talking about. Um, <laughs> I think with the Mavericks and the Rockets, it could be interesting to see because they might already be slotted into their spot. So we don't know what the... I know they want to play those eight games as full as they can to get back to where they were. But, I mean, it could be to the point where they're not playing the full game. 
right Especially off. when you get to the second half of these games, you might be locked into where you're at. I think you're totally right. I just don't think at any point I'm going to put a Rockets game as an expected win for <laughs> no, the Kings. I know we've played them we've played not. them tough this year. Be elite to hit that game winner. We can beat them, but anytime James Harden is being guarded by the Kings, I'm expecting 45 to 50 points and I won't predict a win. But winnable games. The they can beat the Mavericks, they've proven it. I just I would put that at basically playing their same style of yeah. just chuck threes. They're just not as good at it. Yeah. So with those with the two Texas teams I've got us at three, three and three right now, so we've got a couple more. All right, so we got the magic. Did we already count the magic? No, no, we but I would put that as a win. I think we're better than the three. magic. Four and three. We need one more. Pelicans. We did that. We already one. did that. One. We did both. We Remember, we split, split them. them. And then Pacers, Spurs. We already did the Spurs. We did, the we did Spurs. Spurs. We gave them a win on that. We didn't. So the, the one is the Pacers, and I think the Pacers like crushed us the first time we played them. They're a tough matchup for us. They've got really good bigs. Um, Oladipo got time to get healthy too. My 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 heart says we're gonna lose that and go four and four. Um, but I mean, I would love to say we win that. It, it's gonna be cl- it's gonna be really close. Like it's gonna be tough, and this all depends on how the other teams in our positions are like gonna do. I think that the thing that the Kings have going for them is that they're a young team. This is almost kind of like an AAU tournament where they're just going. Hey, we're going on vacation to Orlando for a tournament. They're like, all right, we did this last year. Let's just do it. I think that they can get hot. They can run. They can hit their shots in empty arenas. They could be dangerous to go to five games with the Lakers. See, that's what I like about it. It's just eight games. They're the streakiest team ever. A couple of them get hot. Like, if Buddy gets hot, they could beat anybody. I will say counterpoint, though. You need, like, two of them to get hot, though. You need a couple to get hot. And I also feel like, I mean, the Kings aren't necessarily a young team. It's kind of false advertisement. But I feel like just watching Kings games, that they really thrive on the home crowd more than a lot of other teams. And not having a crowd, like, the NBA is so momentum-driven that, like, do we... How does How is a game going to look when there's no fans to, like, get players' juices going, you know? I'm super intrigued by it. I've seen so many NBA games from a sideline where it's clear as day where the momentum is. And I'm just really interested to see how it is without fans. You know who's going to struggle? Harry Giles. That guy, he plays off the crowd just every game. That guy, he does one good thing, gets the crowd into it, then gets seven fouls and has to come out of the game. But that guy loves to play off the crowd. Harry Giles has to be one of the ultimate fan favorites right now. We all love him. The energy he brings... I really hope they can figure out a way to keep him long term. I know that the contract stuff is icky and it doesn't look good as far as keeping him, but uh, Sacramento loves Harry Giles. All right, let's talk about, let's get more into Kings talk because we finally get Kings back. They're going to play in a, some sort of almost playoff situation. Now, we have a lot of question marks for a team that is within three and a half of this eight seed. I've got three positions written down where I don't know who the starter is. Now, Deer and Fox is going to start at point guard. I think that like, we can all agree on that. He better, or <laughs> Luke might not be there next year. Who's starting at shooting guard? You got Buddy or Bogey. Who, who would you put as a starting? So my question for you would be, can't I start them both? I am very pro-small ball. I'm very pro-small ball, so... In a perfect world for me, I think I go, and I don't know if this necessarily works because I do think that Buddy has been way more efficient off the bench. Um, but I love the idea of a Fox, Bogey, Buddy, 
Harrison Barnes and Rashawn Holmes starting five. Cause that still leaves you scoring off the bench in Bielitsa, Marvin Bagley, who hopefully is going to come back and a couple other guys. But I think that gives you four guys who can score and shoot the ball and spread the floor while also keeping your big man who I know Rashawn Holmes isn't a big name, but in Sacramento, I think we've realized he's super underrated and he does all the little things. Very valuable. I think that's probably the lineup you're going to see like late in the fourth quarter, but I don't think starting the game with that's going to be good because I think it's nice to get Buddy in rhythm early when he comes in off the bench. I think he gets that because he's the alpha dog on that second squad, so he gets a lot of looks and a lot of shots when he comes into the game. Yeah, if you're not going small and you're just going a traditional five, I think I'm still leaning bogey over Buddy in the five because, like you said, I think he's Buddy is super efficient off the bench. You have Barnes at the three, and then Bielitsa as a four who can extend the floor and shoot the three, and you still have Holmes at the five. Um, obviously, everyone wants Marvin Bagley, the number two pick, to get a lot of playing time and, and be this big transcendent person since we passed on Luka Doncic for him, but... At this point, he's he's just not there yet. He could get there, but he needs to be brought in slowly. He's missed so much time with injury. So Bagley's got to be the face of your bench with Buddy, which honestly a lot of teams would kill to have a Buddy Bagley-led bench. Yeah, so you got – so Power Forward was the, the other one that I had. So we've got, we've got Bialica, you've got Harry Giles, and you've got Marvin Bagley. Out yeah. of that group, Bialica would be the one that I would want in there. Alex Len for me, but I just like the way At the power guy forward. Plays. Yeah, why not? Him and Holmes, Twin Towers, let's do it. Alex Len is the Steph- choice by V of <laughs> NBA centers. <laughs> the five of them are, the, the five center power forwarders, they're kind of interchangeable. Like, you can match up any of these ones. So you'd go Bielitsa Len, or you'd go, oh, you go Len, Len Holmes. Holmes. Yeah. Oh, I thought but, you were kidding about Len. No, I was a little <laughs> bit. But I think with bringing Bagley back, you're probably going to knock Len off the roster. You're not going to have that many big guys, especially in today's... We're going to talk about roster size in a little bit, so... Not in today's NBA. Yeah, I don't think you cut Len necessarily, but I definitely think his minutes he's are the, decreased. He's in yeah. the hurt section. But he has been, he's been great for us since we got him. Him and Kent Bazemore for, for in those trades really helped us when we tra- sent Trevor Rees out and cleared up some cap space long-term. I mean, those moves have been really great for us, and it's almost to a T when we got those guys, the season kind of turned around. Yeah, that's when they got hot. Yeah, I think I'd go Bielitsa and I'd go I'd go Holmes. I want my I want the traditional team. I think that's when they're best. Barnes is playing pretty good defense on the wing. They're really bad defensively when Bogey and Buddy are both out at the same time. And I think their shot is good team defense. And Did you say good team defense in the Kings? That's I <laughs> I just wanted to confirm. I thought I heard something. They don't play it, but they're capable of doing it, especially if Bazemore gets some minutes off the bench. They, I mean, they have people that can do it. When, uh, when Holmes is out there, when Len is out there, when Corey Joseph's out there, like that second unit can do, do good things defensively. Now the starters aren't super great at it, so they got to just hit all their threes. But I think they can, if they can hold their own on defense, a lot of these teams in the West are just – trying to hit as many threes as possible. So Yeah, King starting five can score with anyone, can't play defense, and the bench can play defense and can score a little bit. I Like I said, I, I really have liked the Ken Bazemore acquisition. I think he's really See, that's why I want, Buddy, I want Buddy coming off the bench because they need the score in the second unit. No, I agree. I am just very 
all in on small bow basketball. I think the Rockets are fun to watch, the five guards. Um, I like the shooting, they're running up and down. So that's why I would be privy to going for smaller guys. But I definitely see the value in having two bigs who can get rebounds and play a little defense in the post. Um, and I think Bielitsa also still extends the floor, which helps. Yeah, who's guarding Zion? Great question. No one? <laughs> <laughs> no one in Tool? the NBA. That, just let him get his points and then just try to stop everybody else. Is that the game plan? All right, I think that I think that wraps up Kings. I think they can make a run. We'll see what happens. It's gonna be really fun. Everyone's gonna be rusty. They already don't have a lot of minutes together, so we'll see how it goes. But I'm excited to watch it. I just the, want basketball back so bad. Nobody knows what's gonna happen. Anything. Kings could go eight and zero, sweep the Lakers. I mean, that sounds ridiculous, but. We don't know. LeBron could show up, get Corona. He gets sent home. You know, AD could. No one knows. It's a day by day, week by week thing going on right now. We don't even know if it's actually going to happen July 30th. Yeah, there's been a lot of pushback from the players in this last couple of days as far as not feeling safe and and wanting to be, you know, aware of the social climate that we're in with what we're dealing with. And it's going to be really interesting to see if they do come back. But if they do come back, like you said, it's going to be a daily like instead of health updates it's i mean instead of injury updates it's literally going to be health updates like everyone passed their temperature tech today everyone is clear of coronavirus let's test again in three days you know i could just see the vegas guys peeking in on the temperature readings each morning like oh that line jumped eight points you're literally just guessing okay (laughs) this line moved an astronomical amount so who is going to be announced with coronavirus (laughs) All right, so let's talk about some of the, these rules in the bubble. So we've, we've been talking about the bubble on the podcast just because that's what's there. So they're going to be playing in Orlando at the... Uh, Walt Disney World, right? The, the Disney World Resort. Center that they have there. Um, it's basically just the players, their families, the refs, a handful of media. Like, it's a really short list. But they're there. They can't leave. Um, Don't forget all the Disney World employees. Well, I'm sure they're going to have to get tested, too. I don't know where they get all these tests, but they have enough to test everybody every day. Not doing the, um, I think they're just doing the mouth swabs. I don't. I think they were pretty adamant about not shoving the one into their brain and doing that one. Every Sounds day. miserable. But they're testing every day. Um, if they do test positive, they're immediately out for seven days. Regardless of where we're at, it could be the NBA Finals. LeBron gets Corona, he's out for seven days. So you might miss a whole round if you get it. So like them sticking with the uh, the bubble, which I have my doubts about them bringing people in. Like they were saying that if family want to join, they have to like preemptively quarantine as well, right? Well, everybody does. So Got before it. they even get there, um, before they can get into the bubble situation, everyone's on like a seven day lockdown. Um, they're allowed bigger rosters because of the automatic seven days missed. So. Instead of your 12-man roster that you normally have, you get 15 um, on the roster, and you're able, like, the player pool just widened pretty significantly on who you can sign, like, right now. Normally, this late in the season, you couldn't, but Boogie's out there, J.R. Smith's out there, Jamal Crawford's out there. Um, There's some names. There's some players that can help that wouldn't normally be available, like, right now, which is kind of neat, but... It's confusing on how you do it because if you want to sign these people, you either do it before it starts and add them to your 15-team roster, or if you wait until, say, Bielitsa gets corona and you want to replace him, 
with Boogie, because it would be hilarious, he has to wait seven days before he can play. So it's like, you got to load up now. I feel like they should have gone. uh, They should have gone the UFC route and just bought an island and just moved them all there for a couple months. Like, it's just really tough, you know, in in where we're at to tell these adults you can't leave the Disneyland Resort. Like, you're stuck here for this long, you know. Um, Everybody. Yeah, it just. I have the media people are talking about. Like, I don't know if I want to go the whole two and a half months. I might wait till the second or third round before that I go. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to see how it goes. And and I've heard the stories of like players being able to opt out if they don't feel safe. And um, it's just there's so many moving parts to this. It's going to be really interesting to see how it is. But I know that the sports world is desperate to get sports back. So um, it'll be really interesting to see what happens. Yeah, if I'm on the Suns, I'm like, guys, I'm good, <laughs> right? We don't have a very good chance. I'm just gonna stay at home. I even heard Carmelo was like, I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's worth it. Yeah, it was. I was reading that it was basically Carmelo and Kyrie Irving, kind of, who were taking the role of of what are we doing here on their on their call yesterday. So, like I was saying, there's just so many moving parts, and it seemed like a week ago we were good because the players unanimously voted to go ahead with this plan. And now it seems like 25% of the league is questioning it. So I'm really interested to see what happens. So not only do we have the coronavirus going on, but we have like the black lives matter protests going on and a bunch of these people want to be involved in that. And they're just like, is this worth it? Yeah. And they're questioning like if they start playing basketball, is the message going to change from, let's get changes in our culture and society to, oh, basketball's back. We don't have to think about that anymore. And I I totally get that. So, And they're locked in Orlando, so they don't have the same voice that they normally would have. But I think one of the the main things that's going to come into play, though, is is the CBA and their paychecks, because if they cancel the playoffs, I was reading that there is a loophole that the owners can just shred the CBA and work on something new. And if they get quote-unquote screwed out of having their playoff you know money come in they might not want to give the players the same piece of the pie they gave them in the last cba so i don't it's just really tough to see them not coming back in some capacity for money reasons or they could base the salary cap based on revenue including this season and really screw the players if they wanted to so i i think they they have to play i think all the top players in the nba were on that call lebron's not getting younger he's not going to skip the playoffs He'll he knows sh- this is one of his... He will make sure the Lakers are there. Yeah, he knows this is one of his best chances to get another yeah. ring. So They might be the only team there, but the Lakers are going to be there. <laughs> the Lakers and like three other teams. <laughs> he will drag them all there. Every team backs out and LeBron's like, hey, um, hey, uh, Orlando Magic, come and play in the NBA Finals with us. It's just the two of us. We have, we have five guys, so we technically win. Where's my ring? Um... Yeah, it's crazy. So I'm I'm looking forward to basketball though. We actually we're starting to get hard dates. We're getting um, report dates. We're getting the first game will be July 30th or July 31st. All with the capability of pushing things back if some things don't fall into place. But they're gonna be playing into like October. They're gonna be going against football if football comes back. Which I I it's really quiet on that. But I think they're just kind of waiting because they can wait at this point. Yeah, and I think another like caveat to that is the NBA was kind of already discussing changing their calendar 
to a more like December schedule because they wanted to kind of avoid a lot of that NFL um, competition. And I think they wanted to go more into the summer because they knew they could beat Major League Baseball. Um, and so I think that was kind of their plan anyway. So this is kind of giving them an opportunity to to just organically shift that calendar instead of a regular season ending in June and then being like, okay, cool, we'll see you in December. So I think the NBA obviously doesn't like having the coronavirus here, but I think this might make that plan for them a little easier to go with. Yeah, if they went like December to September, I think that fits them a lot better because that June to September month, if you're not a big baseball guy, that's probably one of the most, July is like one of the most boring sports months. I thought it was weird that they're trying to go against um, NHL playoffs anyway. It's not good for either of them. They run basically concurrently. Yeah, they've always run at the exact same time. So, Which is weird, and it hurts the ratings for both of them. Like, hockey could get a, a big boost if their playoffs are going on during, like, regular season for basketball. Yeah, if the NBA were to shift their schedule, you'd literally have all four major sports having their playoffs at different times, which, in theory, should help them all. It doesn't help me when I'm going to the sports book. <laughs> it's less to gamble, and that's for sure. <laughs> Just give me March Madness next year. That's all I ask for. All right, let's talk about baseball. What, what is going on with baseball? We were supposed to have baseball a long time ago. It's a sport where nobody's standing next to each other anyway. This should have been a done deal. Just take the fans out. I literally was thinking the minute this all happened... I was like, thinking oh, least, baseball will be the one. one. Yeah, yeah. baseball. Baseball will come back, you know, and golf makes sense. Baseball makes sense. The one thing we do know is we're going to have baseball this season. It just might be ridiculously improv to like 50 games even. So they're just going back and forth. They look really bad. They're negotiating in the media. Um, it's just really ugly. You know, it's, it's, it's one of those things where the owners come back with three offers and they don't think that we know how to do math because they give a new offer that is the same percentage, just different games. And it's like, guys, this is simple math. Like we figured this out. You're not actually offering the players anything new. You're just offering them different amounts of games and the same amount of pay. Um, that said, it's just, it's that time of our, in our society where it's really hard to feel for people who are making hundreds of thousands of dollars a year. Like it's different for minor league players who are not getting a lot of money. Like I genuinely feel for them, but these big leaguers who are making, you know, hundreds of thousands, like, I get that they are not getting a great deal, but at the same time, like it would be really good for our our society to be able to like watch baseball and enjoy it. Um, but again, it's not the most important thing. Uh, there's a lot of important things going on in society, but baseball just, it's a really bad look right now for all of them going back and forth in the media and not being able to come up with any kind of compromise. Well, I think it's tough for baseball is because it's, it's regional. You don't have revenue sharing. You have teams like the Dodgers and the Yankees who have their huge TV contracts who are whatever, we've got the money. And then like the A's would just like go away if there was no season this Don't year. do that to me. That's my team, man. <laughs> the the Miami Marlins would go the away. Rays. The Pirates would go away. Like they're barely holding on as it is. You can't lose the season and they can't afford to overpay the players even. Like the A's can barely afford to pay them as it is yeah. with a full season. But we are going to have a season. Like that's already been established. Uh, Manfred, the, the commissioner, has the ability to just assign an amount of games that the players have to play. Now, they can opt out. And if they're not someone who has is at risk, they're, they're going to basically forfeit their money. But they don't have to play. But they're going to be a season. It's just a matter of how many games they're going to assign. And it's just interesting, like how much validity is there to a 48 game season really, you know, um, it's just really ugly. And it sets us up for after next year, just an ugly lockout. Cause 
they couldn't negotiate this in a time where we we all hoped that they could do it like and they haven't gotten any closer so i it's i feel like the hard feelings are really going to like stick through these next negotiations after the 2021 season well the thing that's hard and i don't think baseball's looking at it, if you look at the big picture baseball's getting passed up by all the other major sports i think hockey's even getting close to their numbers and it, if you would have said that you know 20 30 years ago you'd be like man you're crazy but baseball it's going to the back burner and things like this. I mean, you would think baseball would want to come back first, you know, kind of like the UFC did. They would be the only major sport going right now. You're getting everyone looking at you, all these talented young players that I don't think that they promote very well, but let's not get started on that. But they don't do a good job like the NBA does, like football does with promotion and all of the stuff that they do for their that's why the mlb is lessening a lot of people younger than us they're not going to watch baseball because it's not sexy i just don't think that baseball is in a healthy enough place to be out of the limelight for what 18 months if they don't i mean if they didn't play this season at all uh it would just be catastrophic and the whole thing just looks really, really bad on every level. And obviously my wife works in major league baseball. So we're always thinking like next, like if this doesn't, if, if things don't turn around, like what is this going to mean for her job if revenue doesn't start coming in? So it's just the whole thing's sketchy right now. And we're just as big baseball fans, we're just really hoping that there's a season. And if, if Manfred's going to assign a number, I'm hoping it's going to be around 70 because I can at least swallow 70 under 50 would just be crazy. You're not even a five-man rotation. You're getting 10 starts from your ace for a full season. Like, that's unheard of. Well, I mean, anybody can be good for a month and a half. I mean, not the Orioles, but, like, most teams can be good for, like, a month. Because you look at it, I mean, if most of the time, two months in, the person who's in first place isn't going to usually win the division because those best teams, the best team is usually the division winner after 162. You can't fake it for 162 games. Yeah, just to kind of go with the A's as an example, the last two months they've been well under 500 two months into the season. They get hot mid to late run of the season. They've won 97 games two straight years. So with this schedule, if it's that short, those teams aren't going to have a chance to turn around. So it really is going to make the beginning of the year so much more important. And if they report next week, they're going to have, what, a three-week second spring training? Like I'm very interested to see how ready pitchers are starters. Can they even go five innings? It's going to be, it's going to be really interesting to see. What do you miss the most about baseball right now? Let's get away from our disappointment in their ability to actually play games. What do you miss the most? I just love going to the Coliseum. I know it's an ugly ballpark. This is actually my first year getting season tickets. So it was a great year to, to join the A's season ticket club, <laughs> but just being at the game, whether it's with your dad or with my wife or with a buddy, you know, just hanging out, watching a game. It's the most casual sport to watch. So you don't have to really like be super focused all the time. Um, like it is with like an NBA game or a hockey game. You can kind of just zone out, have great conversation. Um, I miss my tradition of, seventh inning round table at the Coliseum, you know, like these are things that I do every time I go to a ball game and I miss coming home at night from work or finishing work and knowing that ball games are on and I can just turn the TV on. And, and I, I know that these, like I said, these things in life right now that are super important, like you, what what's going on in our country is important. We need to follow it. But I also sometimes just like to turn it off and, and watch a baseball game and have some sports to distract us. So those are the things that I think I miss the absolute most. I would agree with that. I mean, after a long day of work, you come home, knowing that your team's playing, or even if 
okay, I'm going to watch the Royals play the Angels tonight. I could care less about this game, but I'm going to have it on this background noise. You know, okay, it's the eighth inning. It's a one-run game. Let's see what each of these managers do. Let's see if someone can just hit one off the moon. You know, th those are the kind of things that I miss. It's just the game itself and all the little things that you don't think about the managers do with and I was excited about the new rules with the relievers. How wasn't it they have to face three guys now? Yeah, unless they ended an inning before the third batter, then they could come out. But it was supposed to be a pace of play rule. That's what we need. I just miss it. It'd be we put it on during dinner, and it's just like relaxing in the background, soothing voices from your announcing. Like the first half of the game doesn't even really matter in most cases. We didn't all listen to Vin Scully for most of our lives. Oh, we, so we were. Uh, we were spoiled with Vin. The new announcers are good, but it's not the same. But uh, yeah, just relaxing with that. You watch the game. It's June. If it's good, you stay up. If not, you go to bed. If you got a team in the West Coast. It depends how much money you got on the game. It's a seven and a half you know, run spread. The first few innings do matter. You got to get some runs early. You know, <laughs> a little crooked number in the first. Feeling good. I mean, this doesn't, this doesn't, actually relate to Troy because he roots for a team in the central but like could you imagine with how much you love the Dodgers like moving to the east coast and having all their games start at 10 p.m. so we visited Heather's parents they they lived in uh, south and North Carolina for a while and we went back there and we uh, we landed it was late we got in from our flight it was like eight o'clock we had like a late dinner and I look at the tv and it was Monday night football and I was like the game's just starting it's dark outside. What's going on? Why is it light on the TV? This is weird. And then we got there. We got settled. And uh, it was the first game of the NBA season. And I was like, all right, I'll watch the Lakers. I want to see these. I want to see, I think it was like Alonzo or somebody coming back there. I want to see his first game. And I was like, the game starts at like 11 o'clock at night. Am I really going to stay until 2 o'clock in the morning to watch the Lakers lose to whoever this is? <laughs> Well, it's like we visited uh, Boston to go to my buddy's wedding that we've talked about a few times. And we go to the rehearsal dinner and then we go back to the hotel. We go to the this restaurant in the same parking lot. And it's late. We made it to halftime before and we're ready for bed. I mean, it was probably one of the most boring. It was the first football game in the season, too. Who was it? The Bears and Bears, the Packers? Packers. It was like nine to eight or something stupid. Oh, I used to visit my cousins in New Jersey like every summer. And I was an A's fan for as long as I can remember. And I my days would just start so much later over there because I was committed to staying up until one o'clock to watch the game, whether it was on my iPad or my laptop. Like I had to watch the games. And I would just think to myself like, how do these, these people can't, this is why East coast bias is a thing. Like these people aren't staying up till one to watch West coast sports. Like every night, it's just not happening. I think it would be harder to have a nine, five in Hawaii though. Like you get off at five o'clock <laughs> and the East coast is starting at 11 in the morning. Yeah. Yeah. Bailey Six and I, hours. Bailey and great. I went to Europe you last year. You go down for like a late breakfast and like the Cubs are on. You're like, all right, let's go. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. Bailey and I went to Europe last year and it was in like, it was in September A's are in the, in the stretch run. We're trying to win the division. We didn't win the division. Just a little spoiler alert. Um, but like the A's games were starting at three in the morning and I would be like, Hey Bailey, what do you think about me uh, setting my alarm to catch the game? And she'd be like, don't even think about it. Like 
It's just wild. Time zones are for sports. I think the Pacific is definitely the best time zone oh, if you're a sports fan. We have it best no matter what. Wake up on a Sunday morning, roll out of bed. You got day. football at 10. You have to wait till one o'clock. That happened to me. I went to DC to visit my cousin and we were going to a Redskins game and it was Redskins Eagles one o'clock game time. And I'm like, wait, what do we do until one o'clock? And he's like, well, we get drunk obviously. And I'm like, you can't, what? You, the game starts till one? This is crazy. Like, I'm supposed to have a mimosa and watch the game in the morning. Like, this is wild. Yeah, I've never been drunk by 10 either. <laughs> <laughs> now, I think what I'm most mad about with the MLB right now is we're missing out on precious Astros hating time right now. I've already signed a petition that 2021 will be the year that we get the Astros back. How many, how many, like, I'm I'm blown away by how easy the Astros are getting off with this whole thing. Like the 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 GM and the and the coach who get kicked out for a year. What AJ Hinch is going to miss 50 games of coaching? Like cool, he can come back. Like the players were anticipating getting booed relentlessly every city they went to, and now they're going to play in front of no fans. And then now there's this thing that's saying that Texas might allow 50% capacity at stadiums, and I read baseball might allow it. So like. We went from thinking the Astros were only going to get booed all year to now the only people that are going to be able to say anything to them are their own fans. So it's like, I, as an A's fan, I hate the Astros. I didn't think anything of them until recently. And obviously them being good changes your perspective on it. But what they did and just how they have not been sorry at all about the entire thing. It's more like a, I'm sorry, you're upset kind of a situation. Yeah. It's just rubbed me the completely wrong way. It's a, I'm sorry that we got caught. Yeah, exactly. It's not a, oh my gosh, we did something really, really bad and like hurt the validity of the game. Like, obviously I'm contractually obligated with my wife working for the Giants to be happy that the Dodgers didn't win the World Series because of it. But at the end of the day, like that had a huge impact on that series. I like to call them the Buffalo Bills of the MLB, but that's just me. <laughs> I'm going to cry. How come the Red Sox aren't getting the same heat that the Astros are for doing basically the same thing and then also but winning a World Series? Was it the same though? I know we, that we they were. Know. I know they were deciphering stuff off of cameras and such. But right when they we were supposed to get the report, we yeah. had Corona, and maybe they submitted it when we were all not paying attention. I know that they came out with it because obviously Cora got suspended for a year. But I, from what I've been told or heard, I think that was it, before the report. Oh, was that the, okay? The Red Sox were just like he got his yeah. for the Astros. They, oh, that's what that was. They submitted the Red Sox report like within the last month, like Got when it. no one was paying attention. Yeah, what I had what I had been under the impression of was that they were deciphering stuff in the dugout, but they weren't beating a trash can on every single pitch, so they knew exactly what was coming. It was more of like, this is, you know, for the second base runner to like transfer. I mean, they very well could have been doing things that I didn't know about, but from what I was under the impression of, the Astros was a pitch by pitch. We're banging a camera tw- or the, the, the cat trash can twice for a breaking ball and once no, nothing for a fastball to the Red Sox were just deciphering in their in their clubhouse. It's just kind of a bad look that two of the last three World Series champs have been caught cheating. Is that right? Who won last year? Not my team. It's not the A's. Oh, oh the Nationals. Nationals. Yeah. The Nationals beat the Astros knowing that they were cheating, and they had like 17 sets of signs or something like that that they would change over every batter. Like, they knew it was there. You know, in the last four years, the Dodgers have lost to the eventual World Series champs. Hey, you got to beat the best to be the best, right? Yep. Isn't that true? Yeah. 16, who did they lose to? Uh, I'm not sure. 
Cubs. Mm, I don't <laughs> think that's right. If it makes you feel any better, I would much rather lose. No, I don't know. It might be harder for you, but I it's pretty rough. losing in the wild card game every year is really frustrating. Winning 97 games and then one and done. It's pretty losing tough. Losing a game seven against the Astros because they're stealing the signs and waiting on sliders and just hitting them to the moon for the first couple innings until we figure out what's going on. And then it starts to even out again. It's pretty frustrating. I, I mean, my teams are never good enough to go to the championships, so I wouldn't know what that's like, but I imagine it's pretty rough. <laughs> All right, let's move on from baseball because I'm starting to get sad over here again. Maybe I don't want baseball to come back and crush me again. Um, so, Vic, you got to work in the locker room with the Kings, I which did. seems like one of the coolest jobs that you could have. Yeah, as a, as a young 20-year-old, it was the coolest job. Um, I think six or seven seasons. I'm, I forget now, but I did it for a really long time. Um, ball boy would be my unofficial title, official title, locker room attendant. Um, but yeah, some really cool moments. Got to see a lot of really bad basketball up close, but um, you couldn't beat my seat. So the first couple of years, I was the kid on the floor with the towels. So when they'd come off, I would hand them the towel. Um, and then the last four years I was there, I was the guy behind the bench who did drinks. So became a Gatorade specialist, a water specialist. I knew who wanted what kinds of bubble gum, um, who wanted a heat pack at each time out. Um, so I knew all the ins and outs of who wanted what. Um, certain guys wanted special drinks. I had a couple guys who were half Gatorade, half water. Ooh. Some guys were like a quarter Gatorade, three quarters water. Ooh, so fake they, Arnold Palmer. Yeah, yeah. So there were a lot of different things and. It was a lot of fun. You got to know all the coaches. Um, the players were more to themselves a lot of the times. There were some really cool ones, but um, just a really cool experience working for them. You can't beat those seats. That's pretty cool. Could you, like when you're sitting back, Bobby Boucher in it, could you see the court that well, though? Um, it depended who was on the bench, honestly. Like <laughs> if the seven footers were sitting on the bench, like when Boogie came out, I'd have to like adjust myself. Um, just because they're so big, like it's hard to see over them. Um, but most of the time you could see it for sure. It, it was, it's so cool. Like I, there's a, a gif or a gif, however you say it of DeMarcus cousins on the bench celebrating. And I'm like in the back of, of it just sitting there. So I like jokingly send it to people all the time and say, Hey, this is a gif of me and boogie. And they're like, eh, it's more like boogie, but <laughs> it's pretty fun. That's we might, awesome. we have to put that on social this week. Oh, we definitely will. Uh, you got any fun stories that you're allowed to share? I know you're on like some su- double secret probation or whatever. <laughs> I mean, a lot of it is just stuff that you uh, you can't really share. But like, um, there were a lot of really fun stuff. There were some really cool dudes that uh, that kind of came through. I think Costa Kufis is one of the coolest guys that came through Sacramento as a king. Um, just a ton of like movie knowledge and super down to earth. A lot of them aren't that way. If I'm just being 100 percent honest with you, but um, I made a bet with Francisco Garcia one time. Uh, he was at half court and he was like. Hey Vic, I'm gonna make I'm gonna make this half court shot, and you know they're an NBA player, and you know they're just really good. But like making a half court shot still seems really hard. And he goes, "If I miss it, I'll give you a hundred bucks. And if I make it, you have to do a hundred push ups." <sighs> and I was like 23. I was like, "Yeah, this sounds great. I'm, you're not gonna make this half court shot." So I made the bet. And I kid you not, it was the most perfect swish I've ever seen in my life. And then he tells me he doesn't want them all right there, which was a good thing because I probably couldn't have done 100 right there. 
and he wanted them in increments of 15. So for the rest of the season, it was kind of like if you watched How I Met Your Mother, the slap bet, Mm -hmm. it was kind of like that. Every game for the rest of the season, I would go in and be like, is this the day that he's going to ask me for 15 push-ups? Slaps given. (laughs) I will say, spoiler alert, he actually, I think he like forgot at some point because I only ended up doing like 50 of them. Um, Maybe it was was 60 because that's bad math on times 15, but (laughs) I did like 60 of them and then he like forgot the rest of the season, but it was one of the funnier moments because all the ball boys were there and they were like looking at it with me and they were like, take the bet, take the bet, you're going to get a hundred bucks and I did not get a hundred bucks. What kind of math is Francisco doing dividing a hundred by 15? You know, I don't know. It was weird. I mean, I think he would have forgotten it, but I mean, he clearly forgot it, but he was just like, he went to Louisville. Yeah. Six and two thirds. Yeah. He definitely did not make me do all, all hundred. So that's good. Who's, so who's your favorite King to hang out with? You said Costa Kufas. I mean, he was the coolest in the locker room for sure. Um, we didn't hang out with them much outside of the game. We'd get there early. Um, we'd do whatever the equipment manager needed. So whether that's setting up the locker room, um, getting stuff from the practice facility over to to the court, um, or just setting up the floor itself or rebounding. We did all sorts of stuff pregame with them. And then postgame, they kind of just went with their families and stuff. But I would say my top three kings of all time that I really liked, um, Costa for sure is up there. Uh, I really liked Duye Ducan, very under the radar, very cool dude. Um, and then he gets a lot of hate because he isn't the greatest with coaches, I guess. But Rajon Rondo was awesome with me. Um, super cool. A lot of them when you're a ball boy don't take the time to like learn your name. He was just the first day like, what's up, man? Rajon, nice to meet you. What's your name? Say it's Victor. And then expected him to never remember it. And then every day he'd be like, what's up, Vic? How's it going, man? He'd ask you like about your life, which was like unheard of when you're like a 23-year-old and NBA guy's asking you what you're up to. Um, so I think those are my top three that I really, really liked. Now, looking at us, you know that we like food. Do you have any good food stories? Like what do they eat in the locker room compared to like what normal? Do like... Let's say, do the Kings get like a group meal or do they all kind of eat separately? Yeah. So, um, staff and all of us, there's a media lounge where you can go eat. Um, so that was one of the fringe benefits of being on the, on the team. We got to go eat in there with like all the reporters and Grant Napiers and all of them were in there eating before the game. Um, players before the games would have like, they had a dietitian who would like make their meals and stuff before the game. But afterwards they always had an incredible spread. So it was always usually cooked in house for the home team. Um, the visiting team would have like our staff people go get them stuff. So whether it was like in and out or stuff like that. Um, but after an NBA game, they eat really, really well. So there was a, a family room connected to the locker room at the old Arco arena. Cause my last year was there last year there. So I never went to golden one center. I like to say I retired with the old stadium. Um, but there was like a family room right next to the thing. And there would always be girlfriends, friends, family, whatever, waiting after the game for a lot of the guys after they took their showers and did their media responsibilities. And, um, they always had great spreads. So every once in a while before they kind of changed the rules, we would take so long to get ready at the end. Um, or get done with our work that we would actually get to take the leftovers home as well. So we ate really well. Generally on game days, I would like skip lunch at work, my regular job, knowing that I would probably have two meals at the Kings game, one before the game and then one of leftovers afterwards. Don't even pay me. Yeah. You know what I mean? That sounds like the, the food was ever. honestly worth it. It was, I was awesome. That's just cool to be in there with the guys. You probably saw, no, you can't talk about it. You probably saw some pretty cool stuff that, yeah, I mean, I was in the locker room for the famous George Carl DeMarcus Cousins thing. So um, that was an eye-opening moment. I was like, wow, this is 
this is happening right now. And, and it's one of those things where you're in it and you know that this is going to get out to the media and it's going to be a huge story. And, um, I think Boogie gets a bad rap. I think he's really funny. Like him and I aren't like friends or anything like that. He would probably never remember me. If he saw me, he'd be like, who are you? And I would tell him and he'd be like, Oh yeah. Okay. But I think he's really funny. Um, super competitive, obviously it can be tough on teammates. I've seen some of that. Um, just, you know, he's a real guy. He's not going to be fake with you. If he's not happy with you, he's going to let you know. And if he's happy with you, he's going to let you know. So those are just little things that I noticed about him in my years behind the, the bench that, you know, I'm just a little, little guy. He doesn't even realize is there most of the time, but you can, you could hear some pretty crazy stuff, but I met a lot of really cool people in the organization. A lot are still there and they're awesome people and hoping that the team can figure it out and give them a winner to like work for, you know? I think that's what the fans deserve too. One of the best fan bases in the NBA. We're just waiting, man. We don't even care. We're happy with a nine seed. <laughs> I would kill to get in the play-in game. Even if they yeah. lose the first one to the Grizzlies, I'd be like, we'll count that one. We had a somewhat playoff type game in Sacramento or for Sacramento in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, in Orlando <laughs> against the Grizzlies with no fans. All right, I think we're gonna wrap up sports. We went long. I had a feeling we were going to, but that was a good one. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to do a quick recommendation time, and then we're going to wrap up the show. Have you seen this show? Best Tacos Ever. This book I just read? No, just kidding. It's recommendation time. All right, we are going to do a quick recommendation time. We're going to start with Vic. Name something. Book. Probably not a book. Something? Uh, A show. A food. Um, okay. I got this. A um, good shady tree that you saw somewhere. My wife and I actually, um, big shout Bailey. We just finished watching the Apple TV plus show, um, defending Jacob. It's like a mini series. It's eight episodes. It, it had me literally on the edge of my seat and I am generally a, a TV movie person who spends most of the time like on Twitter and, and texting and just kind of like, like side eye watching the show. Um, and this show had me literally phone to my side, face down, vibrate. So I didn't know what stuff was coming into me. And I was just fascinated by this show. Just really good. It's based off a book. Um, I think I want to add the book to my, my little plan for the next few months of, of reading. Um, but the show itself is incredible. Can you give us like just a basis of the show? Comedy, drama, romance. It's, it's definitely a drama. Um, suspense drama, so to speak. Um, Chris Evans is like the assistant uh, like DA in Boston. Um, and his son is charged with murdering a classmate at school. Um, so the entire show is kind of taking you into how the parents handle it. Is the son guilty or not? Um, while also just being very, very, very suspenseful at the same time. Any other recommendations you got? Any more shows or um, I'm currently watching Arrow and the Flash. I'm not really ready to recommend them, but I'm I'm on that journey right now in the they they call it the Arrowverse. So um, we're also watching Veronica Mars. This coronavirus time has just had us watching a lot of random stuff. Um, and I know you guys actually talked about Space Force once already, but uh, we watched through that and it was really funny. So um, just an eclectic group of shows that I've been watching lately. But I would highly recommend Defending Jacob and Space Force for sure. Zach, what are you recommending this week? Anything? Uh, sleep. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. No. I was able to get a night of sleep almost the other day, and it was the uh, it was one of the best days I've had in a long time. <laughs> I actually knew what was going on. My eyes were all the way open. It was it was pretty good. 
Um, another thing that I would recommend, um, we need to laugh. So get on Spotify or wherever you listen to music. Let's do some stand-up comedy. I would recommend Mitch Hedberg or Rodney Dangerfield. Those are my two go-tos. And they all want sun chips. Yes. Absolutely. I love Mitch Hedberg. I love I love Mitch Hedberg and I love I love old school comics. So give him give him a chance. I for some reason through my Facebook feed I get a lot of videos of comedy and I always watch like, you know, the three to four minute clips and there's a lot of talented, talented comedians out there. Facebook wants me to watch every roast that's ever existed. Oh, me too. What's that one gal that does them? Nikki Glazer's really Nikki good. Nikki Glazer. She that's the only videos that I get or that and then jumps to all these other comedians. For my recommendation this week, I have a deep track song that I think you guys should all listen to. It's called Holding On by Gregory Porter, featuring one of my favorite R and B artists, Kem. So if you haven't listened to that song, Holding On by Gregory Porter featuring Kem. It's, it's just a banger. You got to listen to it. Another semi-deep track, uh, Anniversary by Tony, Tony, Tony. I was listening to that on the way over Ooh, here today. Just today's going to be a special day, not just any day. Um, just a really, really good song. Um, and then I have a couple weird food combos for you guys. I don't know if we've talked about them on the shows, but if you've ever had uh, spaghetti and black I've, I've heard of, yeah, I've heard of spaghetti. spaghetti. Yeah. It's this new invention. Um, I like to put ranch dressing and Parmesan cheese on my spaghetti. If you've never had it, you should try it. The reason it came up with, because I used to not like sauce, so the salad dressing would sneak off the salad onto the spaghetti. I'm like, this is good. So I just cut out the middleman. Uh, and, and my last weird food combo that I think you guys should try, I like to put Cheez-Its on cinnamon graham crackers. So just put those together. It's got this weird, just delicious taste I don't know, the cheese and the cinnamon, they like get together and they throw this party that you're going to think that it's 1999. It's a pretty good mix that they have together. So, One more recommendation. Now, I said it already that I'm on Whole30 and I normally don't enjoy eating foods that are on this and I'm very depressed for 30 days, but I end up being thinner, so it works out. Heather made like fried rice. But with like instead of rice, it was like broccoli and carrots and something like cauliflower riced up, but with like eggs and ground beef. And she just threw it all together. So you should find her on social media and ask her how she made it so it becomes public so that we can all eat it. It was it was fantastic. Zach just wants her to make it again and wants you to tell her because if he tells her, she won't make it again. Basically, that's what happened. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. I want her to recreate it so she knows because I think she just made it off the top of her head and I need her to be laser focused on writing down the directions so we can have it exactly how it was today. All right, before we jump into the wrap up of the show, Victor, you got anything else you want to tell your fans? I I just think that I have one more recommendation now that Ooh, I've been thinking about this That's... food wise. Um, my wife and I have been doing hello fresh lately mm-hmm. and they have a lot of really cool deals when you first sign up. And it's super easy and the meals are incredible. So for us, it's been really great in this coronavirus to not have to worry about ordering out or figuring out how one of us is going to cook because it's got all the directions and all the recipe stuff already done for you. So HelloFresh, free advertisement. Sorry, I know you're not supposed to do free ads, um, but that is something that I recommend to you guys. And here is Victor's referral code. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> Zach, hit us with the wrap up. All right. I think that's all we got for the show today. Thank you to Vic. What was your, your uh, Twitter handle or whatever? Oh, hit Twitter uh, at Victor underscore Rod and the number six. Ooh, I love it. Follow him on Twitter. He's very active on NBA and He just posts a lot of really sarcastic stuff, and I enjoy it. It's a great time. I'm all for it. Uh, Make sure that you follow us on social media as well, at Spivey Special, basically everywhere. Do that first. Yeah, do that first. That's way more important. Um, We would like to thank our sponsor, Podgo. Another Podgo ad this week. Very happy that we're part of that team, getting those ads sent directly to us. A lot less work. We enjoy that. Good platform. Make sure you check that out, especially if you have a podcast. Super cool to work with. Check out our website, spiveyspecialpodcast.com. Find out about next week's guest. Uh, we have our bracket, which is currently up. As cur- It's updated daily with where we're currently at. I think we're in the Elite Eight. Tomorrow will be the Elite Eight of the best office character. So far, no upsets. I did a pretty good job making the bracket, but uh, it's getting down to crunch time. I think it's going to go chalk, but we talked about this off pod. So, <laughs> You and your fancy gambling turn. Um, and then our next week's guest, the uh, old Father's Day episode, we will be having our most popular guest of all time, our father back on the podcast. He is coming back and he's coming in hot. Um, he's going to have some stories. We're going to have a good time, hang out with pops and talk about sports, food, and our past. Kind of like we do every week. Yeah. Be a good time. Uh, I think that's all we got. Troy, you got anything else? Zach, you're fat. Troy, you're fat. Later. Later.